May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. John Smith was the only Protestant to move into a large Catholic neighborhood. On the first Friday of Lent, John was outside grilling a big juicy steak on his grill. Meanwhile, all of his neighbors were eating cold tuna fish for supper. This went on each Friday of Lent. On the last Friday of Lent, the neighborhood men got together and decided that something had to be done about John. He was tempting them to eat meat each Friday of Lent, and they couldn't take it anymore. They decided to try and convert John to be Catholic. They went over and talked to him, and they were so happy that he did decide to join all of the neighbors and become a Catholic. They took him to the church, and the priest sprinkled water over him and said, You were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, and now you are a Catholic. The men were so relieved. Now their biggest Lenten temptation was resolved. The next year's Lenten season rolled around, and the first Friday of Lent came, and just at supper time, when the neighborhood was settling down to their tuna fish dinner, came the wafting smell of steak cooking on a grill. The neighborhood men could not believe their noses what was going on, so they called each other up, and they decided to go meet over in John's yard to see if he had forgotten that it was the first Friday of Lent. The group arrived just in time to see John standing over his grill with a small pitcher of water. He was sprinkling some water over his steak on the grill and saying, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow, but now you are a fish. <laughs> Having grown up attending a church that had little to no emphasis on fasting, Ash Wednesday, or the season of Lent, I've grown up to approach this season, which is coming up in just a week and a half, with both anticipation and trepidation. I appreciate that we mark the passage of time toward Good Friday and Easter. After all, the celebration of Easter seems much more celebratory after going through a period of Lenten preparation. While we know that the gospel message is good news, we are much more aware of the goodness of that news after having been reminded of the sinfulness of our condition before the news. We can't celebrate the empty tomb without being reminded of the cruel cross, nor should we attempt to short-circuit the season of prayer, fasting, and preparation. In one of my favorite quotes by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. On the other hand, I approach Lent with trepidation because I don't want to go through that soul searching. I hesitate to allow God's searchlight to shine upon my heart, fearful of what might be found there. The litany of corporate confession that we will pray on Ash Wednesday reminds me that I have not always exhibited perfect love toward my neighbor or my enemy, and that there have been times when I have failed to give God all of my heart, mind, soul and strength. I know that there have been times when I have failed at living in Christian community and fellowship, 
and I don't really treat my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not always a very good disciple. In short, Ash Wednesday reminds me of the ways in which I fall short of the mark. Ask a person their favorite liturgical season, and if they know what a liturgical season is, they may choose Advent or Easter or Christmas, but rarely will they choose Lent. While Lent is important and can be a valuable time, it's not exactly enjoyable because Lent is about striving to make changes in our lives, to do better as disciples of Christ. For some, it's about giving things up and self-denial. Maybe you're planning on giving up some type of food or bad habit or single-use plastic water bottles. Or maybe your goal for Lent is to add extra devotional time to your life or to volunteer your time for some good cause. Lent reminds us that the Christian life is not about fulfilling our own wants and desires. Living a life pleasing to God is not about meeting my own needs, but about following in the footsteps of Jesus, the selfless servant and embodiment of God's will. In today's scripture reading, Isaiah shares God's thoughts on the spiritual discipline of fasting. In the prophecy that Isaiah was given to preach to the Israelites, God's complaint was not that they fasted. It was that their fasts were empty, for they did not change their lives. They began to wonder why did God not hear them when they prayed and fasted. They questioned why God did not notice that they had humbled themselves, probably tearing their clothes and wearing ashes on their entire bodies. And God replied with these words in verse 3, Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with your wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. If we are to keep the sort of fast that God desires for us, it cannot simply be about self-denial and prayer. Those acts will be empty if we fail to change the way in which we live. If we gather together in prayer, hoping that everyone around us will hear that prayer and change, we have sinned. If we put ashes on our foreheads in the hopes that someone else will see it and recognize their own sin, then we have sinned. We long for transformation in the church, in the community, across our country and throughout the world, but all too often we are willing to point fingers at others and expect the transformation to start with them. We are all too willing to pray that God would convict someone else without first asking God to convict us. We long for the coming of God's kingdom as long as that means everyone else has to change and we get to stay the same. Israel longed for a revival of their own. Exiled in Babylon, they longed for God to revive them and return them to their own land and rebuild the walls and the temple. They were more broken than we could possibly imagine and they desperately wanted some sort of revival that would make them whole again. But our lesson in Isaiah seems to indicate that they were willing to pray for it, but not willing to make the necessary changes in their own lives to see it happen. 
it's pretty easy to give up chocolate for Lent, or coffee, or television, or any other sort of thing that might distract us from God. It's easy to give an extra hour each week to attend a Bible study and ask God to send transformation. It's even easy to put an extra dollar in the offering plate. But here's where it gets hard. It gets hard when it means that we have to change or do something different than what we've always done. It gets hard when we keep the sort of holy fast which God, through Isaiah, commanded the Israelites to keep. God calls us to act in the right way toward other people. First, we have to stop doing the wrong things we have done. We can no longer bully other people or benefit from systems of injustice. We must stop making a show of religiousness while harboring hatred, selfishness, and fear in our own hearts. And then we must fix the problems we've already made by healing divisions, feeding the hungry, advocating for justice, walking with our unhoused friends and neighbors. Keeping this kind of fast means that we go out of our comfort zone, that we face our own blind spots and keep our eyes open to the needs of the community. Then we will truly begin to see transformation and healing in our midst when we each as individuals and as a church today look for ways to be God's ambassadors to a hurting world. Then will God's kingdom to break forth and we will see the transformation for which we have been praying in ourselves and in our community. Here's what will happen when we keep that sort of fast. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will be like a well-watered garden, a spring whose waters never fail. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's what I want to be called, a repairer of broken walls. I want to be an agent of grace and healing in our broken world. I want to see needs and meet them. I want to see God's kingdom to be established in our midst. I know that I can't do that on my own. I can't even do it just because you're willing to help me in the task. We can only do it because of God's grace at work in our lives. We experience that grace when we realize our own brokenness. We are empowered by God's grace when we confess our own dependence on God, when we recognize that we need God in our lives. This is what Lent is all about, recognizing our brokenness, recognizing that we need God in our lives, and recognizing the power God gives to us, to our own hands, to transform our own lives and the lives of those around us. I want that transformation to begin. Lord, let it begin with me. Let it begin with us. Amen.